It is good to be back in Lang Auditorium on a Tuesday night. Because I don't know about you, but last week on Tuesday, I just felt like I was missing something, you know? I was sitting in my apartment, and I was just sad. But I'm glad that I'm here tonight. The thing that stinks is we only have one more week, and then we're going on winter break. But I'm sure you will enjoy the break. And I'm glad to see you guys tonight. So the four, for the last four weeks, we've had this series called Unstoppable. So it's been, it's a six-week series, and we're talking about the book of Acts. So the book of Acts has 28 chapters, so we don't have time to go through every single thing in Acts, but, but we've just been taking some of the big teachings from the book of Acts and applying them to our lives and talking about how, um, just, as the, the, or just as the disciples in the book of Acts just lived this life of unstoppable faith, they lived life of unstoppable hope, like they kept their hope fixed on Jesus, and as they loved the world, we can also be people who are unstoppable in faith, hope, and love. So that's the heart behind this series. In the first two weeks, we talked about the Holy Spirit. So if you remember, first night we were in Lang, I talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and maybe some of you were freaked out. That's what we talked about because it's in the Bible, okay? So first week, first two weeks, we talked about the Holy Spirit. The third week, we had an incredible guest speaker named Clint came and spoke like way better than I do and talked about uh, just having power in the marketplace. Uh, just talked about being someone who just uses every opportunity, whether you're in your classroom, whether you're in the workplace, or you're just uh, hanging out with friends to share your faith with people. And then two weeks ago, we talked about fear. We talked a little bit about politics. The first time I ever did that at Chi Alpha. Probably won't do it again for a while. Uh, and talked about how we can be a people who don't fear, because, because when we fear God, when we place our fear in the proper direction, then we don't fear men, and we don't fear the world around us. So that was last week, and now we are in our fifth part, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. So if you brought your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there, and we're going to start in verse 16. If you remember last week or two weeks ago, we talked about this man named Stephen, St. Stephen, and how he died this death. He was uh, stoned for his faith, and as he was being stoned, there was a, there was a young man there named, or named Saul at the time, and, and this man was persecuting Christians, he was killing Christians, and Saul later gets, or, or gives his life to Jesus, and he becomes the Apostle Paul. Okay, so now we're flipping 10 chapters forward, and the Apostle Paul is tearing it up for the kingdom of God. So tonight we're going to read about the man Saul, who, who was a part of stoning Stephen, and how he uh, just was unstoppable in faith, hope, and love. So let's read this, verse 16 of chapter... 16. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul having, so this was Saul, okay, from Acts chapter 6, he's Paul now, having been or having become greatly annoyed. So Christians can get annoyed too, okay? He gets annoyed, and he kind of snaps at her. He turns and says to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very, or that very hour. But then when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before, or before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrate, or the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not, or that are not just lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. And the crowd then joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. So they're beaten for their faith. 
And I think about tonight when our music isn't working. That's like our biggest problem as Christians. It's convicting. Who gives a darn about the lights, about the music, as long as we have each other, right? And we're singing praises to God. Think about that. These men were beaten for the faith. Pretty much all the disciples, besides one, were killed for the faith in those first years. Come on, somebody. Jesus wants to say something tonight. We're going to be talking about pain and suffering. We're going to be talking about how, just when things go bad, how do we respond? Do we respond by shaking our fists at God, or do we respond by praising him? And I think we complain about stuff like technology. And I'm the one who's guilty, because I was probably the most worried about it. Because I'm supposed to be in charge of this thing, and I'm like, what am I doing? All right, but anyways, let's get back into this. (laughs) So they were beat with rods, that's verse 22. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about, or about at, or at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So that's how they responded to their tribulation. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice and says, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights. He turns the lights on, he rushes in, and he trembles with fear, and he falls down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus And you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family, the last verse. And he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. What an incredible story. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are God, that you're Lord, that you're just way greater than all of the theatrics that, or that we can do, God. God, you're greater than the fancy music and the tracks and the lights. God, you are worth all of our praise, even when we're beaten for our faith, even when we're mocked for our faith. God, I pray tonight that you would teach us how to suffer well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so that was deep. Let's get a little bit funny here. Hopefully funny. We'll see how it goes. So, so how many of you in here rode mopeds in middle or high school? There's probably like two of you. Okay, Richard, Tian, you guys are studs. Emily, you rode a moped? Okay. I guess my wife rode a moped. I didn't ride mopeds, okay? But, but my older brother, Mark, was pumped about the mopeds. When he turned 14, he had to get a moped. He had to ride because that's what cool 14-year-olds do because they can ride mopeds, Okay. So my parents go out and get him this moped from like 1979. This is an orange moped. It has a basket in the front for groceries or whatever you want to put there. It barely runs. My brother's 14. I'm nine at the time. He's riding around like a stud muffin, and I'm like, I got to ride this. I got to ride this. So I'm like, all right, let me try. You know, I was a nine-year-old, pretty confident in myself. I don't know why my parents let me, but I jumped on the moped. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, all right, this is my moment. And I don't know how to run anything, so I just floor it. Just go, Vroom. And I pop a wheelie, okay, popping a wheelie, nine-year-old on a moped. And then I go into the curb, pop over the curb, fall off, 
scrape my leg like never before, okay? So I look like an idiot. I never rode a moped since. I never rode a moped after that. Here's the moral of the story, okay? That really, really hurt. I can still remember the scrape. I can remember everything. It hurt so bad. But here's the deal. I felt so cool. I felt so tough. I was so proud of myself because I rode a moped and I floored it. I popped a wheelie. That the pain didn't really bother me. You know what? And I think sometimes we can, as people, like, you know, I feel like it's all about a perspective, okay? Like, if, or so if you're uh, just receiving pain, or, or for some reason you have pain, but, but it's for a decent reason, or you feel good about yourself, or it's fun, or whatever, then you can endure the pain a little bit better. Or if you don't think about the pain too much, you can endure it. So for instance, when I get sick, I hate being sick. I hate puking. Who else hates puking, Okay. I hate it, and I whine like a baby, okay? I whine. I'm like, God, why would you do this to me? No, I, don't ask, I don't say that, but I do ask him to heal me, but it never happens. Uh, but he does heal, but just not in those situations. But I feel like when I wallow in my pain, it get, it's just worse. It just gets worse, okay? Like the sickness, if I sit there and I whine and I moan and, and I ask God to heal me 50 times when all I have to do is wait 24 hours and I feel better, but I just like, God, please heal me. When I whine about it, then the pain, for some reason, just as worse. That's what I've noticed. Or, like when I got hurt, if I got that scrape for any other reason, like I would have whined and cried, but because I looked like a tough guy, I felt like I did, the nine-year-old riding a crappy moped, uh, because I felt like it was cool, then I was able to endure the pain a little bit more. And one of the realities of every human being is we will all face pain, we'll face suffering, and we'll face loss. That's the reality. Our bodies will decay. For most of us, that hasn't happened yet, but, but it will happen. There'll be a time when you start going downhill. Like, I know you guys who lift, you're thinking, I'm going up. I'm getting better. There's going to be, become a time when you start going down, about 35. Your bodies will begin to decay. People will hurt us. That happens. People are going to hurt you. If you haven't already been hurt by people, it's going to happen. I promise you, be ready. Someone is going to stab you in the back or hurt you really bad. And all of us will deal with loss at some point. You know, you might lose a parent, or lose a brother or sister, or lose a grandparent. It will happen. This life, there's one thing that's guaranteed. You are going to suffer in some way. That's the reality. We all will suffer. We are all going to face pain. And the thing I love about our God is he never dismisses our pain. He never says, oh, you're a big baby. I'm God. I could handle that. No, what God does, he says, I'm going to fix it by sending my son Jesus in the likeness of human flesh to come as a baby, the Christmas story, which we're celebrating. And if you're just thinking about Christmas trees, we need to reorientate our hearts and minds. Okay, Jesus comes out of heaven, comes as a baby. He's been God for all of eternity. He comes as a human baby, facing all the temptations, suffering as we do. And he lives a perfect life. And God, for only, or the only reason he does this is because of his great love, becomes one of us, you know, the phrase Emmanuel that we're going to sing at Christmas, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Okay, I'm not going to sing, but it means God with us. So God has experienced our pain. God, like when you pray about your sufferings, God can genuinely say, hey, I've been there. That's what I love about our God, the God of the Christian faith. That's what I love about Jesus. He lived the human life. He suffered way worse than most of us are going to. He was beaten just mercilessly. He was, God had to forsake him, his own God, part of him, like the Trinity. I'm not going to get into that tonight. But, but God turns his back on him on the cross, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His Father in heaven has to turn his back on him for a moment. 
Jesus has experienced our suffering. And that's what I love about Christianity. I'm convinced that each of us in this room, we need to learn to suffer well. We need to learn to lean into Jesus when we suffer, when things aren't going our way, instead of shaking our fists at him or running away from him. The apostles in Acts 16 understood this. When they were in prison and they were beaten, they praised Jesus. What do you do when things go tough in your life? Do you sing hymns to God? They loved Jesus through the suffering. They loved Jesus through the pain, and Jesus helped them to get through it. He helped them to persevere in the midst of their suffering. So the main point tonight is this. The key to thriving in the midst of life's pains is to keep praising Jesus no matter the circumstance. And before we completely unpack this, there's going to be three things I want us to get, okay? So we're just going to read through the story again, and I'm going to unpack it as we go. So the first thing that each of us need to get comes from verse 16 through 24. So we're going to read it again because I don't know if you're like me, but when I read something the first time, I don't remember anything. So let's read it again. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them into the, oh wait, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not, or that are not, um, are lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. And the crowd joined in and they attacked them. And the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So the first thing we get from this part here is the Christian life is not free of pain and suffering. The Christian life is not without pain and suffering. Suffering and pain is not just for non-Christians. If this passage tells us anything, it makes clear that being a Christian is no guarantee that you will have a blissful life. Just before this passage, Paul and Silas had, had actually led someone to Jesus. Then as they were headed to a place of prayer, minding their own business, being good Christians, a woman with a demonic spirit just begins to bug them. And she's saying truthful things that, that they're servants of the Most High God but they're being annoying and they're distracting people around them from the mission that they're trying to accomplish. So Paul's annoyed not because she's lying, but, or, but he's annoyed because she's being tormented by, or by evil spirits, by a spirit other than the Holy Spirit, and she is distracting people from what they're trying to do. So they're minding their own business, being good Christians. Then this lady starts bugging them. Paul does a great thing and casts the demon out. And then how are they rewarded? See, oftentimes we think if we do a good thing, if we obey Jesus then good things will happen to us. That's a lie. What happens? They're drugged into the marketplace. They're beaten with rods, and they're thrown into prison. In verse 20 and 21, we see that Paul and Silas were presented to these rulers as, as these reckless Jews who, who were introducing customs and practices that were counter to the culture of the Romans. And I think we can learn something from this. If we truly follow Jesus, get this, this is something I really want you to get. If we truly follow Jesus, we will end up advocating 
for customs and ideologies that are going to run counter to the culture around us. We don't let culture shape our theology, but our theology will run counter to the culture. Now, there's two errors that each of us can make. The first one is this. We can succumb to the culture around us and then just kind of mold this book into the image of 21st century America. We do that, don't we? But there's also the other error, which is to be anti-culture and to separate from culture and be like, you know what, forget you people. We're going to hide out and wait for Jesus to come back. There's those two errors, and we need to resist it. We need to say, I'm not going to succumb to the culture around me. I'm only going to obey the Lord Jesus, and people might get mad at me for it. But also be loving people, be likable, engage the culture, and love people within the culture. We need to learn to do that as a Christian body. Because in our country, what we're seeing is people are going to one side or the other. You hear it all the time in the news. You got, I'm just going to be honest, far left Christians or far right Christians. You hear about it. The hateful Christians or the Christians that say, whatever you want to do, just live your life the way you want to. But Jesus stands in the center and he says, I'm counterculture. He says, I'm not going to be shaped by the left or by the right. But I'm going to be shaped by truth and grace. It says that Jesus came in grace and truth. So we got to take the grace that the left seems to do a good job at. We got to take the truth that the right seems to do a good job at. And sit in the middle and say, we are for grace and truth. And when you do that, people are going to get ticked off. That's what we see here. Paul and Silas lived as true followers of Jesus, and the culture did not like it. So if you think as a Christian, the culture is going to like you, then you're sadly mistaken. You are going to be viewed as someone who is crazy, who is weird. Why do you think that? Why do you think that about these different issues? You're going to be viewed that way. Paul and Silas were viewed that way. They were turning their world upside down because they refused to succumb to culture or to hate the culture. So can we be a people who straddle the center and say, grace and truth. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love people so well. But at the same time, I'm not just going to say everything's truth or say everything's okay. God's calling us to that. I'm telling you, when a group of people begin to do that on this campus, it's going to be irresistible. It will be irresistible. I promise you that. Because too many people are going to the left or to the right. But I want to be like Jesus, who loved all people. He said, I'm for grace and truth. Let's do it. Come on, I'm pumped. I could just end this sermon right here. And that has really nothing to do with the point. But Spirit speaking. All right, in verse 22, they're beaten for disrupting their culture. They're beaten for being counterculture people. They are ostracized as being outsiders with this outlandish religion who, and the culture thinks that they need to teach them their place in society. And they aren't even given a proper investigation. Okay? They were, or Paul was a Roman citizen, and they're not given a proper investigation, but they're punished mercilessly for loving Jesus. And the Romans attempt to beat them into submission. They say, you will bow to our culture. You will bow to our customs. This culture, the American culture, is going to try to beat you into submission. They're going to try to shape your theology. What will you do? How will you respond? Will you respond by giving in? Or you respond by, by retaliating with hatred? I pray that you would do neither. But you'd be like Paul and Silas who suffer well. And say, hey, hey we're going to lay down our lives for our enemies. Let's see, how, let's see what happens here. So, Actually, we're going to see what happens in a second. But <laughs> guys, I'm sorry. 
So when we live a life that is centered on Jesus and committed to his word, the world, or the world will hate us. The, the world will not understand. It's not their fault. They're blinded to the truth. And they will in, seek to impose its ways on us. And we see this in our day, as I said. And a great verse that talks about this is John 15, verse 18 and 19. If the world hates you, then you know that it has hated me before it's hated you. If you were of the world, then the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but it chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we should not make it our goal. This one thing I don't want you to do is walk out of here with a chip on your shoulder and say, the world's going to hate me, so I'm going to be a jerk. Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus wants you to walk into the world, love the world, and just understand that everyone is not going to accept you or accept the way you think. He just says, be ready for it. He's not saying go out and try to be hated. That shouldn't be our goal. We should try to be loving and welcoming. Like, guys, I believe this should be the most welcoming place on campus, the most loving place on campus. But we also just have to understand that some people might hate us for it. So then finally, in verse 23 and 24, we see that Paul and Silas are taken into the innermost part of the prison, and their feet are put in stocks. And according to ancient, or from, or according to ancient sources from this time, the stocks would be positioned in such a way to cause the utmost discomfort and cramping pain. Like, it was torture. So they're being tortured in the middle of this prison. And the jailer is this tough guy who was probably a retired Roman soldier, and he would have been trained on how to keep them from, ex- from escaping. He would not have been trained on how to be kind to them, okay? So this is their situation. So as we see from the story, Paul and Silas did not live a carefree, perfect life and said their faith brought them actually more suffering and pain than what they would have experienced if they hadn't been of the faith. So we should not be surprised when we suffer. We should not be surprised when bad things happen to us. Things can end very badly for us as Christians. But at the same time, we have great reason to be filled with hope. We should be filled with hope and with confidence. Yes, we're probably going to suffer. But guys, we know that our God is not the author of suffering. It's not his will for our lives. God doesn't make us suffer. And he has our good in mind in the end. It says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. God created the world in a good and a perfect state. And we are the ones who who welcome pain and suffering in through our rebellion against God. In the scripture, Satan is often referred to as, or he's actually called the or the ruler of this world. So this doesn't mean that Satan's in control, but it does mean that Satan has profound influence on the world because of our rebellion. We welcome his rulership into our world. Therefore, because of Satan's influence, you have to get this. When people ask you, why do bad things happen to good people? This is the way you respond. Because of Satan's profound influence on the world, this world should be hell. Because where Satan rules, it's hell. This world should be hell because we welcome sin in. However, God in his abundant mercy and grace doesn't leave us to suffer in a living hell. Instead, he intervenes. God intervenes and and he showers us with blessings and gifts. With good gifts like food, which wouldn't be from Satan. Good food is not from Satan. Like steak, that's from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Seriously, guys, we need to eat with gladness. Like tonight at Beatups, I'm going to praise Jesus so much. Because if Satan was completely ruling this world, we wouldn't get wings. I'm just saying. We begin like something terrible. Asparagus? I actually like asparagus. Anyways, family is a good gift from God. Comfort. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
So with this in mind, we shouldn't blame God when we suffer. Instead, or we shouldn't ask, you know, this question that I hear all the time as a pastor, Daniel, why do bad things happen to good people? We shouldn't ask that question because no one's good. The Bible says that. Instead, we should ask, why do good things happen to bad people like us? Drop the mic right there. <laughs> that didn't get, okay, anyways, let's keep going. So do not be surprised when you face suffering. Our sin has welcomed suffering, and Jesus has warned us that the world is going to hate us and things might end badly for us. However, we can take heart in the fact that Jesus is going to return, and he will set everything right, every injustice. That dude that just went on a stabbing spree at Ohio State University, terrible things that happen when I feel like I get updates all the time on my phone, Jesus, sovereign Lord and King, will come back, and he will set all those injustices right. He will rule from his throne and bring heaven and earth together. We should have great hope. If you're in Christ, God will raise you on the last day to be with him. It should give you great hope. That's how Paul and Silas got through this. This story doesn't only teach us that, or that we're going to suffer and have pain, but it also teaches us how to get through the pain and suffering. So just from verse 25, I got this. It says about, it says at, about, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So the thing I want you to get is praise sustains us in the midst of pain and suffering. The, or the discomfort of the stocks and the harsh beating of the rods did not hinder Paul and Silas's joy. Instead, their joy increased as they worshipped Jesus in the midst of their pain. And we can learn a thing or two from these disciples. We are often tempted to praise God when things are going good and to be disappointed in him when things are going bad. But Paul and Silas didn't live this way. They worshiped God with everything they had, and no matter what the circumstance was. The prisoners around them must have been confused. You know, think about these, pris- or these prisoners around them. These dudes are getting tortured, and they're praising God. So the prisoners are confused, like, what in the world is going on? There's hymn singing happening here. And, but Paul and Silas didn't rely on themselves to get through this tough time. Instead, they turned to worship and to praise to get them through and they fixed their eyes towards heaven and towards Jesus to get them through this tough bout. So Tertullian, he's an early church father. He said this of the passage. I think it's really profound. It says, The legs feel nothing and the stocks when the heart is in heaven. That's good. These old guys, these dead guys, it's good stuff. I want my heart to be in heaven. If my heart is in heaven, then when the going gets tough, I won't look around me or look to myself to get through, but I'm going to look to Jesus, the only one who can truly get me through. There's a great story I heard last week. There's this man named Alexander McKay. He was a British missionary to Uganda with the Church Missionary Society in, or in the 1870s. And his mission was to plant the church among the unreached people of Uganda. And after long, difficult labor of trying to have converts or to, or to lead people to Jesus, he only had six people who had put, put their faith in Jesus, okay? And then the government had turned on the Christian faith in Uganda, and, and they arrested all six of these converts. And, and three of them, they, or they said, we're going to kill you. And then the other three, they said, hey, you can go back to your villages and tell everyone what happens if you turn to Jesus. And these three men just had their arms chopped off. Okay, Think about your arm getting chopped off. And then they were tied to a wooden scaffolding. And... And the government lit the scaffolding on fire beneath them. And the Muslim soldiers began to taunt them. And they said, pray now to Jesus, the Messiah, if you think he can do anything to help you. 
And they opened their mouths and they began to sing a song that Alexander McKay, the missionary, had taught them. They said, daily, 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 sing to Jesus. Sing my soul, his praises due. All he does deserves our praises and our deep devotion too. And they sang that until their mouths burned shut and they died. I don't share the story to shock you or to scare you or to guilt you, but I share it to inspire you. If three young Ugandan men who had no background in Christianity and put their faith in God in the midst of a hostile culture can keep their faith while burning alive, surely we can praise our God through our tough situations that are much, that most of the time are much more dim than that. Or they're not like nearly as bad. I don't know if any of us have been burned alive in here. I think we can continue to praise Jesus even in our hard times. And that praise will sustain us. That's the only way they got through that, I believe. Just like Stephen last week, stones flying at him. He's looking at Jesus. His face is shining like the sun because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. And that praise got him through that tough time. So praise in, in the midst of suffering doesn't just help us persevere, but it also helps us find victory and grows us into greater maturity in our faith. So let's read the last verses. It says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke he, and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the, and the jailer called for lights and then rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in Jesus. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their wounds. It's beautiful. He washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, and he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So the last thing I want you to get, and this is it. Praise gives us spiritual victory and breaks our chains. Our praise of Jesus is what's going to get us to the other side. Our praise of Jesus in the midst of the storm is what will secure our victory. So Mackenzie, one of our worship leaders, if you know her, blonde-haired, Levinsky's wife, she always says this. She says, praise precedes the victory. And I believe that. Praise precedes our victory. When we are tempted to throw in the towel and to give up, God calls us to press in to persevere and to continue to praise him just no matter what happens. And God doesn't promise us a perfect ending. It ended badly for just many Christians in history. Even today, Christians are being murdered for their faith. But God promises, promises us joy and the ability to get through by drawing closer to him, just as Stephen did. You know, Stephen died, but Stephen went to heaven that day. And Stephen drew clo or closer to God. Those three Ugandan young men drew closer to Jesus, and that's what got them through. Their victory was not to get off of that scaffolding and, and to walk away pain-free. Their victory was to be with Jesus. So it's going to look different for all of us, but I'm telling you, guys, you have to praise within the storm, and that's what's going to give you the victory. Think about if Stephen had recanted his faith when the stones were coming at him. Think about if those three, or three Ugandan men had said, you know what, never mind. We wouldn't be talking about them today, and they wouldn't be in heaven. Praise is what gives us the victory. In verse 26, the bonds of the chains were broken. And not only Paul and Silas, but, but the entire jail's bonds were broken. Every prisoner was, or was set free. And what's shocking about this is they didn't all head for the hills, but they just stayed there. They get set free and they just stay there. Perhaps in awe of what just happened, or in awe of, of how Paul and Silas praised God through the storm, and God provided victory, 
You know, maybe in awe of how, or how Paul and Silas responded so differently than what the world would. You know, that countercultural thing I was talking about. Our commitment to living like Jesus and not like everyone else is going to cause some to hate us, as I said. But it's also going to give us profound influence with others. Paul and Silas earned influence with those men because they praised in the midst of their storm. But the thing is, what's going to be a witness to the watching world is, or is how you respond when bad things happen. If you shake your fist at God and abandon your faith, obviously they're not going to turn to Jesus. But Paul and Silas remained strong, and that drew people to Jesus that day. And ultimately, it drew the jailer to Jesus. Their praise without any expectation of being set free, but their praise just because they love Jesus helped that man to put his faith in Jesus. In verse 29 and 30, the jailer repents and asks, how can I be saved? He knew that if anyone could show them the way to life, the way to peace of mind and, and, and to release from fear, it was the men who praised God in the midst of the stripes on their back, in the midst of the socks around their feet. And then in verse 31 through 34, Paul and Silas show him and his entire family the way to salvation. I love what verse 33 says. It says, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So another old guy, John Chris. So stum, I believe that's how you say it. I looked it up. Don't know if I said it right. An early church father says that, that in this verse, the jailer washed and he was washed. It says he washed them from their, from their stripes and was himself, or, or was himself washed from his sins. That's an amazing picture. A man believes and is able to take part in the healing of Paul and Silas because of their commitment to praise Jesus in the midst of the storm. I'm sure that Paul and Silas thought that those rods and those stripes on their back were worth it when they saw that man put his faith in Jesus. So the question for us tonight is how are we going to respond when we have trials, suffering, pain? The worship team will come up. I'm going to close up here. That's the question I want to ask you guys. How are you going to respond when there's tough times in your life? How are you going to respond? I want you to think about that. And think about your history. How do you respond when you get sick? How do you respond when things are going your way? I don't always respond super well. Like when I get sick and I have the flu, I'm throwing up. I'm like, Jesus, I'm ticked. I'm really angry. I hate throwing up. There's not, or there's not anyone in this room who is not faced pain, suffering, heartache, we've all faced it. We've all faced it. We're, we're going to face it. That's, that's not negotiable. We're all going to face suffering and pain. The question is, how are we going to respond? And our response is what's going to dictate how the rest of the story goes for us. You know, the main idea tonight is this. The, the key to thriving in the midst of life's pains is to keep praising Jesus no matter the circumstance. As human beings, we're going to suffer. We're going to experience pain. It's the human condition because of the fall, because of our rebellion against God. Each of us are going to experience sickness, suffering, pain. You know, at the very beginning, I said God created the world perfect and good, and we were meant to have perfect communion with God. That was the plan. But each of us have, have just rebelled against God's design and have welcomed sin into the world, separating us from God. And because of our rebellion, not because of God, some of us have had to endure just immense pain. I'm not minimizing that tonight. I know some of your stories. You guys have all had to endure some type of pain. Some of you, very severe pain. 
you know, loss. Some of us have lost someone we really love. Some of us have had heartache. You got dumped by a girl or a guy that you really loved. You know, maybe someone betrayed you. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've had just sickness after sickness. I don't know your story, but I know that as a human, each of us has suffered in some way. Here's what I know. God is with us in the midst of the pain. That's the Christmas story. God's not the author of our pain, but, but he's committed to use it for our good. He's committed to use it for our good. You know, James says in, in James 1, he says this. He says we should count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds because our trials will produce, our trials will test our faith and produce perseverance within us. So God's going to use our pain. There's nothing that's going to happen in our lives that God's not going to try to use. But the question is, are you going to cooperate with him as he tries to use the suffering and this pain to grow you? Are you going to shake your fist at God, blame him? Or are you going to submit to him? Say, God, I worship you. I praise you. Are we going to worship Jesus? Guys, think about it. If everything got cut out tonight, what would we have done? You know, would I like, you know, just run around freaking out or would we worship Jesus? I hope that, I hope that each of us would have said, hey, we're going to sing anyways. And just worship Jesus. I think that's incredible how that happened tonight. I didn't want that to happen. If I could change it, I would. But just showing us the whole point of the message, which is life is not going to be perfect for us. The question is, how do we respond when life isn't perfect? I pray that you'll respond by praising God because that's how you get through and that's how you have victory and that's how you become the man or woman that God has called you to be. So tonight I want to ask you, will you let your circumstances dictate your praise or will you praise God just no matter what happens? Ask yourself that question right now. Do I let my circumstances dictate my praise or do I worship God just no matter what happens in my life? As long as the Bible fits my belief system and, and everything goes perfect and Jesus bows before my or, or Jesus bows before me and I don't have to bow before him, then sure, sure, I'll be a Christian. Or do you worship Jesus even when you read things in here and you're like, I don't understand this. I don't get it. This doesn't line up with my ideology. Or when things go bad around you, like I don't get why I'm suffering. Because guys, the ones who are gonna get through the narrow door are the ones who say, I'm gonna love Jesus no matter what happens, no matter what he tells me to do, no matter how much he disagrees with me. Those are the ones who are going to heaven. Bible says that the door is very narrow, very narrow. So the question is, I want to ask you, do you have true faith tonight? Do you have true faith tonight, or do you just worship Jesus based on what he can do for you? Is he a vending machine for you where he just gives you stuff? Like Jacob was talking about Thanksgiving, or, or do you love Jesus no matter what happens? Because you know, some of us need to cross over to the other side tonight, to stop being Christians who, who love Jesus based upon our circumstances, and to start being Christians who love Jesus no matter what happens. Because that's what the book of Acts is all about. A group of men and women who said, I'm all in, I'm going all out, just no matter what happens. If I get beaten, if I get crucified, I'm gonna still worship Jesus. If I get burned to death, like the three or the three young Ugandan believers, I pray that I'd be like them. I pray that you'd be like them to worship Jesus to the very end. You guys would stand with me. When we love Jesus, no matter what, we'll begin to see this campus come to God. Students all across this campus are going to want what we have, and they're going to be wooed by God's grace and by his love and his truth. Can we make a commitment tonight to praise God even when it hurts, even when life sucks? I just said sucks. Get over it. Can we make a commitment as a body? I want to be that group. I want to be that group. Even if it means we shrink. I want to be that group because I don't want to just like, 
We just have you guys here because everything's great. The show is great. You feel good about yourself, although I want you to feel good. And I want to encourage you. I pray that you wouldn't come here because of that, but you come here because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He bore your death and he rose from the dead, conquering death, sin, hell, and the grave. And he's coming back again. And he will rule from his throne. He's king no matter what, no matter how much he disagrees with me, no matter how much he disagrees with the world, no matter how much it causes the world to hate me, Jesus is still gonna be king and I'm gonna worship him just no matter what happens. Can we be that people? Come on. Let's do it, guys. Let's do it. Honestly, where's the family in here? Where's the family? There's a family here. Guys, come on, let's do it together. That's how they got through. They, they came together, and they stuck together no matter what. Say, I got your back. You got my back. Even if we're both sitting on a scaffolding, getting burned to death, we're going to be together, and we're going to continue to worship Jesus. Let's do this. Come on. Let's go. Seriously, I just want to do this, guys. I want to be people who don't just worship Jesus based upon how comfortable we are. Can we be that people? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Christianity in this culture. Guys, the book of Acts does not line up with American culture or with American Christianity. It doesn't. You know, everything's got to feel comfortable. I got to have my coffee in my hand during church. Church has got to be 60 minutes. The book of Acts does not line up with that picture. So guys, I'm just going to challenge you tonight. Let's be a people who go all in no matter what happens. No matter if the Bible disagrees with us, we're going to submit to it and we're going to worship Jesus no matter what our circumstances are. Can we be that people? Let's pray. Jesus, I love you so much. God, I thank you that you conquered death, sin, hell, and the grave. And God, I pray tonight that there be a supernatural faith that just rises up in this room. God, I pray that each person in this room will be, be a believer who says, I'm all in no matter what happens, no matter if I get burned alive. God, no matter if I get persecuted for my faith or the world hates me. God, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to praise you through the storm. I'm going to praise you no matter what the circumstance is. God, I pray that this will be a group of students who count the cost of the cross and they follow you no matter what. Come on, Jesus. Give us faith. Give us an unstoppable fire, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be the men and women that each of us are called to be a man or woman who storms the gates of hell with the gospel. Jesus, we love you so much. And God, I pray that we would just worship you with everything we have right now. All right, let's go. Come on. Let's go, man.